Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahay. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode. I'm your host, Colm Mahay, and I am having another incredible conversation with a, well, this is a good friend uh, and also an awesome leader, by the way. Um, Simon Birch is the... Um, no, I don't know what you are. You're managing director or owner or founder of Penguin PR. Penguin PR is a, um, a public relationship uh, firm that's uh, set up in Derby. Actually, I'm one of their clients. The beauty of Simon is that every time Simon and I get together, we end up having some incredible leadership conversation. And I just thought to myself the other day, hey, I should be having Simon on one of my podcasts and let other people listen to our leadership conversation. So, Simon, it's a huge pleasure, huge honour to have you here on our show. Welcome. Thank you, Carl. Thank you very much. I must point out I'm a joint founder um, with a very talented lady called Sarah, my business partner, who would be very angry if I didn't name check her. So, <laughs> done that, I'm safe. Uh, and we need to give a shout out to Sarah because she's absolutely lovely. Uh, in fact, you know, the one thing I love about your your company and one of the reasons why I became a client of Penguin PR is you are all just incredible people. You know, every person that I, I connect with in your organization, they've got incredible values. They are so connectable. You can have great conversations with them. And I never feel like I'm stealing your time. So I don't know if that's something that you and Sarah intended from the outset or whether that's just who you are as people. I think it comes from who we are. Um, all of us in the company, apart from uh, our, our talented digital apprentice, we're all journalists. And I would imagine between all of us, we probably we got 50 or 60 years worth of experience. Um, it's not all writing. Most of the job is talking to people. And we're either... You're either born journalist because you're a gossip or you develop into the kind of person who just really enjoys talking to people and asking them loads of questions. So, yeah, there, there's no blueprint in terms of that. The more you talk to people, um, the better content you get from them and that helps them in their business. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I often say when I'm talking about public speaking that uh, unless you are the one on the stage or the one that's speaking, uh, you could be a mortgage broker in a room full of mortgage brokers. But if you're on the stage, it's you are the go to person it really is about that you know and uh, when i when i uh, realized the importance of having pr you know correlated and connected to your business there's a part of me and you must hear this from other other people there was a part of me that thought mm, is this a bit egotistic is it a bit is it a bit over the top am i shouting about my successes and my my work a bit too much do you get that from people yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's really hard. Um, we we could do better on our own PR. It's it's incredibly difficult talking about yourself. We just don't do it, whether that's a British thing or a, or a reflection of 10. I don't think people, that's not how we go about 
uh, getting ourselves known. Um, we, we like to, as a social species, just like to talk to other people and make friends with them. And you don't make friends by telling one, everyone how great you are. Um, you can open doors for yourself, but I would imagine they'll soon be closed if it just becomes about you. So, yeah, I agree. When you came, when you came to us, there's two things people don't really um, know. A, their tone and how do they go about doing this and is this really right? And the other thing is their story and actually what they say. And very often it's your story that's probably more important than what you're actually saying. You need to know what you're saying in terms of that is going to engage people and is non-threatening. So yeah, that's definitely a conversation we have. Lots of people don't know what public relations is. They've heard of it and a lot more um, kind of the, the younger people who spend most of their lives on social media, they know public relations more than anybody else because they, they've grown up talking about themselves and seeing themselves as a brand, whereas other people have probably hidden behind their company logos and said, well, that's not me. Uh, young people realise that it has to be the person first and their company first, and all the best PR comes from the person and what they have to say. And I guess just people just aren't great at talking about themselves. They shy away from it. And I think they see someone else doing it. They think, mm, that's not for me, thank you. Yeah, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, this imposter syndrome that uh, many people suffer from, including myself, to be absolutely honest, uh, that uh, you might have all sorts of successful ventures that you're involved in and keeping yourself incredibly busy. But every now and then you're constantly sort of pinching yourself and saying, well, when do I get found out? You know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to fail at something at some point in time. So I guess you're also having to contend with that, this whole imposter syndrome um, that, that causes people not wanting to shout too much about their successes. It's a real shame that, I mean, I, I, I know of, I know of, of imposter syndrome. I just feel that if you know, I think that comes from maybe living your, looking at yourself through other people's eyes, really. I try not mm. to do that. I know that I'm fallible. I know that I'm human. And I know that if I fail, then it's actually how I respond to it rather than get being failing in the first place. So I, I do think people are very wary about being seen as if they're being put on a pedestal. And it maybe, again, it's that British thing where we see someone in the public eye, everyone loves them for about six months, and then the narrative twists, and then everyone wants to pull them down. And I think people are very... They're very conscious of that. And I think when you start out in business, unless you've got the real clear vision, you don't, often don't really know where you're going to go and how quickly. So I do think when you get PR out there for you, you either end up believing it too much or you don't believe in it at all. And then you think you're creating a bit of a charade. Um, like, well, that's not me. And because you've got some talented writer saying, Cole, this is what we want to say. And you're going... And then, you know, do you know what I mean? It, we, <laughs> I've had plenty of those moments. Create like a, it's, it's an, an, an illusion. And, and I would imagine maybe you've, you're honest enough to not believe in the illusion. Whereas other people, we definitely have had clients in the past who've started to believe the illusion about themselves. And that's, that's very difficult. It takes you into a completely different viewpoint. Yes. All of a sudden you're walking into rooms and people's going, yeah, I've, I've heard of you and you did this and you did that and you guys are doing really well. And, and you'll go, mm -hmm, I, thank you. That's very nice. But it's like being called on stage unexpectedly for everyone to praise you. And that's not what people really experience. Um, so yes, I, I do. I, I get that. I, for myself, um, yeah, I, I don't know that I feel about imposter syndrome, not because I'm massively confident, but I just think, well, that's like anything. We all, it's, it's exciting. I think it's exciting to be in new situations and I'd rather be the situation to be there and give it a go rather than 
get there than spending my entire time beating myself up saying do i actually belong yeah because if i'm if i'm there i do uh, and that's just it. I think that's a really healthy way of looking at it, Simon, to be honest. And, you know, when, when you and Sarah were there, you know, m- many years ago now, thinking, hey, you know what, maybe we need to get out of German- journalism or be involved in journalism from a different angle. And maybe it's time for us to step away and create something of our own. Did you have any idea of the kind of organization that you wanted to create in terms of, you know, what it felt like and how people saw it and, you know, all the things around branding that you're talking about, how other people perceived your brand? Did you have any idea or conversations around that? No, not really. Um, the, to go back to that, it's about 12 years ago now. So Sarah was working as a magazine editor. Uh, for the Derbyshire magazine and I was actually working at an agency so we'd actually we'd we'd started working together and then we went different ways but really my reason was that I was working for someone else and I enjoyed it but I could see how how I could do it myself so actually it's from a business point of view I wanted the freedom to be able to do it for myself Sarah was the same she really enjoyed her job but with all jobs when you work for someone else you're not in control of your life we both had kind of our own kind of separate kids and all that kind of stuff and I just felt that I wanted to, I felt I could do it for myself in a way that was very controllable so that I could you know go to the nativities or go to the sports day but also be able to do the work it's a very simple um well if you've got the skills i mean we've been journalists for about 15 years it's a simple industry you just need a phone and you need a computer you can do that anyway it's incredibly flexible so we knew we had to set up as a company and we knew we didn't want to call it based on ourselves because we had that vision thinking at the end of the day the company is the star and we didn't want to have to be the people when the people rang up that they thought they'd speak to either Birch or Newton as we are so we knew we wanted a generic brand I don't really think we realised we thought too long about how we developed that brand. And actually, bearing in mind it's called Penguin PR, I don't really think we all had much of an understanding of quite how how nice penguins are. You know what I mean? It, it was really, <laughs> retrospectively, it's one of the best, it was Sarah's decision or Sarah's idea. One of the best ideas was the name because it's a brand and it's a concept that everybody seems to really like penguins and, and no one is scared of them or dislikes them. There's a certain image, isn't there, when it comes to penguins? And it, it, it tends to be this very cuddly kind of image and this non-threatening image, I, I guess. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's, it's a, you know, as you move forward, you kind of explore your brand values and you kind of load it back into your, into your company. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very sociable. They, they, you know, they, 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 they survive in communities, you know, they're, 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 they're stronger in their flocks. There's loads of them and they work together and they, you know, they're hardworking birds and all that stuff. If you want to talk to a customer and you want to build your brand journey, it works really well. None of that we thought we, we thought of at the time. And um, I think, again, I guess if we liked it, then other people liked it. So to go back to yes. your, um, to go back to your uh, original question. No, we didn't. We, we did it very much for our own reasons, and it's it started to take on a life of its own, really. But then, in that time, you know, twelve years, um, you've been thrust into this leadership position of being the founder and director of this organisation. Between you and Sarah, the the you know the team has grown, the work has certainly grown. You, I think you've got a, a really good uh, basis for relationship and really good uh, sort of uh, um, profile uh, in the East Midlands. 
with all of that success also comes a lot of leadership challenges. What have been sort of some of the biggest leadership challenges for you? I think probably the the biggest leadership challenges is getting other people to do the work that you know how you can do it and how you would do it. Mm. And it's developing the trust that they are to an extent allowed to do it their way, but also the balance that we need them to do it the Penguin PR way so that everybody is under, understands what's going on. I think as we, because we set it up to do the job we do, we didn't set it up as this is going to be a company that's going to employ this and that. I think we're probably secondary is the way our systems work and the way Penguin PR goes about things. So as we grow and we're up to four people now, which is because Sarah and I kept it small because we wanted to control it for families and growing kids and stuff like that. We're now starting to move and grow a little bit more. We're now almost having to backfill some of the understanding that maybe business people would have put in in, in the beginning. So the biggest challenge is, you know, you see, you've got one person going out. When do they see a client? How long should they see a client? Should we should we rely on them to develop their their instinct, or should we say, well, actually, we need to know. Like, we need to standardise our service to everybody. How can we make sure that all our clients get the same service, but without curtailing or limiting what our our talented writers do for them? And there's a really really powerful word that you've used in there, which I think in the leadership circles uh, wherever we are. Uh, in the world right now is this issue of trust. Uh, so you recognise the importance of building trust so that uh, members of your team trust you, that your clients trust you, your wider community trust you, and also that you, you trust other people. Trust for me is like this, it's almost like a foundation of any kind of relationship and it's a foundation of leadership. Uh, and certainly, I think, you know, we're living in some really interesting times at the moment, isn't it? In fact, today, we are waiting to see whether Rishi Sunak becomes the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom or whether he and Penny Mordaunt uh, go on to elections with the, the Conservative members. Now, behind all of this, as we all know, for those of us who live in the United Kingdom, there's been an, a chaotic and it can only be described as a chaotic leadership uh, race within the Conservative Party, which has been split two, three, four ways. Um, and hopefully we're going to get a bit of stability. But for me, when I analyse this, and um, unfortunately I just missed a, a phone call today uh, from BBC Radio 5 Live, which uh, you guys, again, helped me to get that profile, uh, to talk about this very same issue. But as I can't talk to BBC 5 Live because I was in a temple celebrating Diwali, I'll talk to you, Simon. <laughs> it is an elevation call, that's fine. But I know you love this kind of stuff, but trust as a such a simple concept, concept, and you mention it in a such a simplistic way because it's natural for you. I think trust is a one thing that's really, really lacking in UK politics, but not just UK politics, but global politics right now, uh, and because there's this, uh, this whole increase in right-wing populist governments across the world. That's happening because people are getting frustrated and not trusting the mainstream governments that were the mainstream parties that were. And I think we're seeing some of that uh, ever since Brexit 2016. We've seen a, a rise of right-wing populism in this country. But what's happening in the Conservative Party right now is this this frustration around trust. Is that how you see what's going on? I do. I think trust comes from a place of security. I think if you're secure in a relationship with someone, then you can afford to trust. 
it's a difficult it's chicken and egg isn't it do you mm. do you test your a new relationship by giving trust before you can really know can you trust them or do you wait until they prove that they're worth trusting before you can kind of build that bridge and I, and I do think yeah. Brexit really destabilized a lot of relationships between Remainers and, and Leavers between those in the power that be that even gave us that idea and others that were holding us back and I think there's a lot of there's a breakdown in trust because I think people are generally very insecure in where they feel they are and whether they feel that they're being looked after by those in power so I think the Conservatives unfortunately they're kind of reaping a little bit what they what they sowed in the first place I'm not this isn't pol political by giving people the trust to, to make such a big decision, I think to an extent they may have misjudged that. I'm not saying you should misjudge, but I think if you're going to give people the trust to take such a such a big step, you have to be 100% committed to either way and say either way is absolutely brilliant. And I don't really think for most people they were quite convinced enough that, that uh, leaving was was you know quite the the right mistake whether or not that's that's you know going to be um borne out we don't actually know yet because since then we just had a whole series of disasters hit, hitting us wave after wave obviously the pandemic was actually huge and yeah. by then the trust in the the powers that be to be able to deal with that and again we all felt very unsure we felt very unhealthy and very uh, kind of you know like very threatened and and I think this probably may be where the swing to the right has gone because with a right kind of a more right wing government you get more authority and, and people know what the score is there. There's less trust in that kind of relationship because everybody just has to do what everyone wants. And I think people like that because they want to see the people that they can't trust also brought back brought to the same place so i think the, the, yeah, the, yeah. there's a total lack of trust and i think we're more individual now and that's great we're encouraged to say who we are and who we want to to say who we are and and you know, like decide our own identities but if someone reacts negatively to that then you don't trust them because they don't feel that you understand them so with this there's a whole load of problematic kind of themes that are really flying around everywhere and certainly i think politics because there's so much of it every time you go on Twitter or whatever, you know, you can't get away from it. I think there's an incredibly difficult time, probably for anybody in power that needs to come in and, and, and establish trust. And yes, yeah, certainly the stuff we've seen over the last kind of six, 12 months is, I don't think any government probably if they could ever, even they would have looked forward 12 months and said, I can't believe we've ever got there. But it does almost come to that stage where that's what happens when trust breaks down. And actually that's what happens as a government. When you play fast and loose with that trust, then this is what the, the, the electorate are going to do to you. Every time you try something further on the line, it's got to be absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And I think the media, when the media lose trust in the government as well, and bearing in mind the media are both, they're both, they both shape opinion but also reflect opinion. Mm. They, I think they're, they're reflecting the opinion that even the media can't be seen to trust the government because people don't trust the media that trust the government because they feel the media are all in it together and nobody's helping the common person. I think you're so right. Um, and just picking on this issue of trust and, you know, you've, you've, you've narrated it quite well in terms of, you know, the whole aspect of trust and what elements, uh, what, what, what trust leads to, where trust comes from and how it's perceived. Uh, another issue around trust for me, and again, we saw this in Brexit, uh, was this whole issue of 
misinformation, if people think that you've lied to them or you've misinformed them in some way, and there was a lot of accusations floating around at the time in 2016, I remember, from for against both sides of the camp saying that there's a lot of misinformation. When you start hearing that and that rhetoric just grows and grows and grows, that also leads to a, mi- a lot of mistrust. So any arguments that you have, any debates that you hear thereafter, you sort of put a question mark around them and say, hey, how true is that? You know, what's the, what's, what's the, in, where's the integrity in that debate? You're talking about the media there. And I think the media plays a really, really important part uh, with Liz Trust. 44 days, shortest term of a, any prime minister in, in history, as far as we know. Um, and from that mini budget, and I think it was that key aspect, the mini budget, um, the the rhetoric and the analysis in the public eye was so against List Trust's policies, uh, it was magnified so much by the media. And I think that is one of the reasons why eventually she felt that uh, she could no longer serve as Prime Minister. So this whole element of trust, it's not just about gaining trust from the public, I think politicians nowadays and leaders need to know that they get they need to get trust from elsewhere in the in terms of politicians because they're public figures it is from the media as well so this is all about relationship building isn't it at the end of the day it is um i think it's that saying isn't it good leaders eat last and it's like in any in any society a, a leader goes out to get the food and then they stand back so the lesser people come and get their first fill so everybody's safe and then everyone kind of rewards the leader for their selflessness in that transaction and i do think within this is the hardest thing i think for the conservatives at the minute in that during the pandemic there was a perception that when they should have been selfless they were selfish mm. and i don't think they're ever going to escape from that and i think again to the mini budget when you looked at it and I, i've read a couple of uh, kind of couple of pieces who were who say well we're you know we're being more objective and i think there was a lot in it to to really genuinely like like quasi quarting wanted to do to help businesses but the one thing that really didn't and let it down in my opinion was the scrapping of the 45p tax hmm. rate um, i mean it only affects a small amount of people but that's like a lack of hold on we're all struggling here why are you helping people who earn so much money and that wasn't that was indefensible, I think. It magnified a lot of the other aspects of the mini budget because the perception of everyday people was what well, you're looking after your super rich friends. You totally are. You're, you're looking after the, the leaders are looking after themselves to the detriment. And that's like that. That's a cardinal sin for anyone who wants to be taken serious as a leader. You have to. I mean, this is why people looked at the the Queen, you know, they they had the perception that she was selfless, that she served, that she put herself kind of like behind everyone. I mean, she lived an incredibly privileged life, but she was able to negotiate that by serving her people in a way that they understood. And it was, I mean, the PR for the Queen was absolutely brilliant because it was so her and she knew exactly what to do. And I think that one of the defining images would be her at Philip's funeral, doing what pensioners up and down the land had been doing. And that probably won her an incredible amount of kudos at that. You know, it's clearly, you know, I mean, it's not clearly why she did it, but it that was, you looked at her and thought, you know what, that's why you're our queen, because you serve and you show duty. And they are very, you know, they sound quite old fashioned attributes. But I think the further up the tree you go as a leader, the more you have to show 
the more the more you have to show those kind of attributes to prove to people that you don't abuse your position because it's a relationship. We elect leaders to look after our interests, but they have to look after our interests. And, you know, I mean, the juxtaposition is that on the night before that funeral, the Tories were having a, a like a, having a booze up in, in Downing Street. And whether or not, you know, whether a few pizzas and beers or whether it was a full on like, karaoke or whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's all about the perception. You you broke you broke the bonds of trust between the people who are having a terrible time with the pandemic, and we can all pull together. But later on, if you find out that some people aren't quite doing exactly the same as we are, then you're, you've got you've got a problem. And I, and I do I mean Boris wants to be back. He's not come back, and I think he would be incredibly tin-eared if he could think, oh, it's it's old history. Think people remember that kind of stuff. They remember the little human moments of when you as a leader didn't lead and you 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 filled your face first allowing other people to kind of put up and shut up i think it's very difficult with government because you know you've got a limited amount of time you know you've got a limited amount of opportunity and chances are the time you're going to be in do you serve the people who put you there or do you try to serve the whole com- country the majority in the way we vote being the people who didn't actually put you into power. And I think one of the biggest things, and we were having this chat in the office, and I think also we, we mentioned it, if there was social media in the times of um, like Margaret Thatcher or John Major or Tony Blair, where and in a time when we have envi- in, entire teams within companies looking at social media, reading the mood music and saying, this hasn't gone down well and that hasn't gone down well. I wonder if, if history would have been different because I would imagine to be a you don't want a strong leader but you do need a a leader who's strong in their own opinions who does understand that we're doing this and we're committed to this but if you get pushback in the early days especially now when you know politics is a lot more um, kind of it's a lot more responsive and you do have to you know go on tv the next day and someone says well have you seen this isn't working people do want to be seen to be more uh, responsive and more um, kind of like you know more um more understanding of how people feel you you do it it's hard for for any leader in a with a with a short-term mandate to be able to say well yes you know i'm just going to get my head down and i'm just going to push on because we have so many years to do this i think with a short-term um kind of like with a short-term parliamentary um time available to people they do have to take the low-hanging fruit and they do have to take the stuff that's easy for them to do and to, and it reflects what got them in there in the first place. I mean, again, for politics, and, I, and you know, and I know they have let a lot of people down. I think one thing that wasn't in the Conservatives, um, um, like their, um, the last time they were elected, nothing in their plans reflected how we're going to deal with a pandemic. That has changed things. And I do think we are quite quick to move on that we've all changed due to the pandemic the country we have now is not the same as it was before the pandemic and yet sometimes and i do think sometimes unfairly what the what the tories said before being elected and what they what promises they were made related to that old days that everybody says oh yeah my life in 2019 is different so i i do feel that they're kind of held to account pretty much in a way that they can't control because 
everything they do now is judged either either judged now or judged on what they said they would do even though so much has changed over the past number of years one of the key issues that i think is probably why people don't tackle some of the harder to do uh, tasks and instead focus on short-termism is because you know they often they think well i'm only in here for four years five years you know i'm contractually obliged to do something in that time but why should i extend beyond that time uh, and let's face it you know something like culture change something like you know something about t- changing something fully from the inside out at the root cause level takes a bit longer sometimes and the big difference between these leaders and somebody like her majesty the queen was that Hers was a lifelong service, so there was never an end goal. It was until she she passed away. Uh, so that's why she was always committed to her role. How would you see that? Yeah, well, I've just looked at the, the parliament, the, 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 the life of this government. They've literally got two years in which they have to kind of build towards the next election and they have to seek to win the next election, obviously, since that's their job. But they've lost so many uh, kind of so many supporters along the way. And what's probably even harder is that they had such a massive victory last time any defeat is going to be a huge crash and that's going to be on someone's name and that's going to be on someone's cv as such so that they they've got two years they're going to have to do some incredible stuff within those two years simply to remain in power which is the point of being which is the point of being a political party um that makes it very hard for them because there is nothing long term that whoever kind of replaces live trust list trust there's nothing long term they can do they're just going to have to seek a whole load of quick wins because chances are what any win is a plus they're not going to seek or gain long term gain because our, our new government are potentially already waiting in the wings yeah. and that does make it hard for them and i think i mean going back to my own position i know i've got at least maybe 10 15 years i can relax and i can bring in changes yes. that i know will probably take me a long time to adjust to and certainly take my organization some time to adjust to if you know you fast forward when i've got two years left and as i feel i'm going to wrap it up not that i'm thinking that but everyone knows they've got a, a kind of sell by date you, we have this conversation in eight years. I'm going to say, yeah, I've still got loads of stuff I want to do, and I know that I'll want to pass it on in a good, in a good state. Yes. But I've still got my own ambitions, and time's ticking away. So I'm not thinking the long game anymore. I'm thinking a lot shorter. So uh, yeah, so I'm going to be a lot more responsive to easy wins. Well, Simon, thank you so much for joining me on the show today what an incredible conversation we've had uh, i feel like we've put the world to rights uh, but i know that so many golden nuggets uh, of wisdom leadership wisdom in our conversation today thank you so much and i'm sure that uh, we'll meet up very very soon all the best thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this podcast please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content and of course connect with me on linkedin take care have a great day